Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day. Apologies to any returning listeners who have heard this spiel before, but I know we have some newcomers amongst us, so I want to explain what I'll be doing on this segment over the next two weeks. I'm going to be offering my picks for each day's action at the 2022 Australian Open. If day one was any indication, we should have an exciting two weeks of tennis on our hands in Melbourne. And of course, while all of us are just excited to be focusing on the on-court action again, doesn't it make it that much more exciting when you put your pride on the line, perhaps even when you put some money on the line as well, invest further into each and every match. We want to help you do that here at Crack Rackets, offer you a look at each day's board, talk about the money lines, talk about the underdogs we're looking at, the over-unders, the spreads. Of course, it wouldn't be an ace of the day show if I didn't offer a few parlays as well. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks, each and every day, again, offering our picks for how we see the action unfolding. Worth mentioning, all of the odds mentioned in this podcast come from our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. You'll also hear me quite frequently refer to the projections offered by the Tennis Abstract singles forecasts for both the men and women. With that in mind, let's quickly recap day one's picks. We went four and three overall on day one. Always good to start the tournament with a victory. We're up 0.91 units overall. We hit on our underdog pick, the Kozlov money line, he earns a straight set victory over Yuri Veshli. We also hit one of our four spreads on the day, Barbara Krejcikova earning a dominant victory over Petkovic, covering the five and a half games. Unfortunately, we came up one game short in two of our different spread picks. Belinda Bencic, we had her minus five and a half. She beats Mladenovic by five. Pedro Martinez, we had him minus four and a half. He beats Federico Del Bonis by four. Shapovalov earned the win, but he was nowhere close to covering the six and a half game spread. Still, in each of those losses, there was a kernel a victory in all of them. So I feel like we were on the right track on day one. Of course, our other victories, we had a four-player parlay hit. That's always a bit lucky, but shout out to the favorites, Kostya, Keys, Mackie, and Tommy Paul. We also had a two-player parlay hit. Christian Guerin almost earned a lifetime ban from this segment in non-clay court events, but he just gets over the finish line in five sets over Bagnus. Shout out to former ITA number one Dominic Kopfer. He earns a four-set victory on the day. A Guerin-Kopfer money line parlay therefore hits. Again, four and three overall on day one, plus .91 units. Now we're going to keep that same theme from yesterday here with today's picks. We're going to keep all of our wagers on the smaller side as we see all of these players compete in Melbourne for the first time. Get a feel for how this tournament's going to go. There were only two upsets on the men's side, two upsets on the women's side on day one. Is that foretelling of what we should expect over the next two weeks? Will this be a seed dominant sort of event? Will we see that pecking order that we're wanting uh, to know how it's going to unfold in both the men's and women's game finally begin to sort itself here at the 2022 Australian Open. Again, those are the sorts of things you look for, right? Early on in an event, if it's an upset heavy sort of affair, or if we can expect some more consistent play at the top. As such, again, small wagers today, but plenty of them for all of you listeners to enjoy. We've got six aces of the day for all of you here on day two. Those picks spread out amongst the money lines, amongst the spreads, amongst a couple parlays as well. With that in mind, 
Let me talk you through the day two board. Let me get to my segment today. Our picks for our GSP aces of the day. As always, we start with the money lines. And again, anything above minus 200, I don't know if you want to bet that as an individual money line. Certainly in the early stages of the tournament, it's going to be that much more difficult uh, to get the top seeds, the heavy favorites as money line favorites, unless you want to spend, you know, 20 to 1 odds, right? Or 1 to 20 odds, excuse me, where you have to spend like 20 bucks just to earn one. If you want to take the Yannick Sinner money line, of course, if you put enough of those favorites together you can get decent odds on the parlay we can get more creative than that though find better odds a better way so keep that in mind as we move forward but some of the money lines that jump in to jump out to me that are in the value play zone if you want a feel good bet Andy Murray, minus 190. He's beaten Nicolas Basilevsky a couple of times now over the past 12 months. Minus 190, there's some value there. Certainly, Murray got an extra day off coming off of that final last week. We saw the guy who beat him in the final, Aslan Karatsev, pushed to a physical five-set match, did not have much juice in the tank, committed over 100 unforced errors, still managed to get the win over Munar, but that speaks to that fatigue that can set in after such a physical week of play, and, you know, another example of that, Tanasi Kokonakis was just out of juice in his match yesterday against Yannick Hanafman. I don't think we have to worry about that for Andy Murray. Again, coming off of two days rest, that you know that much more time to get himself back in shape for this one. He'll be ready to rock and roll in minus 190. Decent value. Not good enough for us to bet it individually. I thought about throwing it in a parlay. The truth is I just don't want to cloud my Murray viewing experience with any sort of additional pressure because it's always just such a joy to see one of the game's greatest champions back on court. But that's certainly one that's appealing from a favorite perspective. Rebecca Pedersen, minus 160 over uh, Daria Seville tomorrow as well. Pedersen's played some pretty good ball of late. And, you know, Daria Seville, always dangerous. Do you really want to bet an Aussie against the home, uh, with her home crowd? Do you want to get bet against, excuse me, an Aussie with the home crowd? Unless you're absolutely certain. I say no. Therefore, I'm going to leave this one out of the of our picks. But again, Murray minus 190, Peterson minus 160. That's an easy two-player parlay right there. And so, you know, just something to keep in mind, I suppose, for all of you more adventurous listeners. Of course, some of the underdogs I like on the day, and I'm going to get to two of them in a parlay we have later. But Hugo Gaston, plus 105 over Chris O'Connell. Tennis Abstract actually has Gaston as the slight favorite. According to their projections, you look uh, for Hugo Gaston 50 point, uh, excuse me, wow, that number has shifted overnight. It, he was a 50.8% favorite, now down to 49.2. Again, I think that's a pick sort of match. O'Connell, the Australian in front of the home crowd, I'm not certain he's going to lose, therefore I'm not going to pick it. Aronxa Roos against Seed Tamara Zidanzik is fascinating because, again, you look at the tennis abstract projection for the match, Aronxa Roos was the favorite heading into this one. She was a 53% favorite. Now, again, overnight, we've seen some numbers shift. Tamara Zidanzik slightly favored now. According to the odds makers, there's value inherently in that play. Roos plus 130. The numbers say she should be the favorite. Zidanzik's played better of late, and again, Everything at this portion of the season for Zidanezic, just low-hanging fruit for her to build her ranking because she's got those French Open semifinal points stashed a couple of months from now. She's seeded. This is an opportunity. If anything, maybe you take the over two and a half sets in that match. I think it could be an absolute battle. Roos going to strike the ball flat, going to take that ball early. Zidanezic, obviously forehand-centric, going to try and move that ball around the court. 
it's going to be an interesting match. And does Zidanezic have the big enough weapons on a hard court to hurt Roos frequently enough to not allow her to get it into her playbook? It's going to be interesting to watch. Again, Struff plus 140 over Vandesenskulp. I think that matchup's fascinating. Vandesenskulp, the favorite according to the numbers. But whenever Struff's the slight underdog against a guy he's similar level to, that's usually when the Struff dog makes his move. It's when he's the favorite that you don't want to back him. When he's the underdog, things get a little bit more interesting. Another one of those value plays, tennis abstract versus where the odds are at. Uh, you know, uh, I believe Norbert Gombos is only a slight favorite over Timofey Skatov, and I believe at points last night he was like plus 115. I think now he's a little bit above that, minus 125 here in the morning. Uh, But, I mean, look, Skatov, is there any reason Gombos can't, uh, why he can't beat Gombos? Neither guy has a particular track record of success. Those are two qualifiers who get into the main draw, both playing pretty solid ball to get in. I thought Skatov a bit better. He's a grinder. I mean, but he's young. He's really, really young. And again, it's a sample size sort of thing for him. We just don't have that big of it. We know a bit more about Norbert Gombos. And so, interesting play. Again, two qualifiers. It's stay away from me. Haley Baptiste, it's a bet on her being one of the rising stars of this season. And I mean, the serve and the forehand belong in the top 100. She's got that pop to her game. Plus 180 underdog against a struggling former top 10, but struggling now Caroline Garcia. Those are all interesting to me. From a money line perspective, still none of them going to be the play for us here on day two. Our money line play is going to be Paul Camille Matrizek, who was one of the rising stars of the ATP Cup before he was sidelined by COVID. And you look what Matrizek was able to do throughout the course of his run. I know, again, from a rankings perspective, these were wins he was supposed to get, but, you know, beats Alex Bakshi of Georgia and Bakshi, I should say, played at Oklahoma, but of the nation, Georgia, beats him one and one in ATP Cup. Cup, beats Pervolarakis of Greece, 1-4. Again, win he should get, but a win he deserves. And then the big win, he beats Federico Del Bonis, 6-3, 7-6 as well. And, you know, after that, unfortunately, he was sidelined, tested positive with COVID. Now has had some time to work his way back into form since uh, that diagnosis. But I think he's got a very winnable match today against Andreas Seppi. And, I mean, you look for Matrizak. 25 years old, just turned 26 at the start of this season. Actually, his birthday was a couple days ago. Happy birthday to you, my friend. You know, 107 in the world right now, which is 24 off his peak of 83 back in 2019. But it does feel like something has clicked for him over the last six months. And you look for him at the challenger level. He was able to make a challenger final uh, uh, at the end of last season on the clay. He qualifies at the U.S. Open before getting knocked out by Rusevori in four sets. Another semifinal at a challenger at the end of the season. Qualifies in Sofia, wins a match in the main draw before getting knocked out by Krajinovic. And then again, the wins at ATP Cup. All things trending in the right direction for him. And the guy was so fit at the ATP Cup. Now, certainly COVID has thrown off his rhythm. It would throw off anyone's rhythm, and that's something for us to keep in mind in terms of the size of the wager we're making today. But I just think he's got the bigger weapons. I think his backhand is the best shot on the court against this version of Andreas Seppin. Again, you look for Matrizek, 37-21 and 21 in his last 52 weeks. You look for him last season, a couple of challenger finals, qualified at a couple of ATP events as well, played qualifying, of course, at all of the Grand Slams, actually got into the Australian Open main draw on his own volition last season. I just think this is, again, this is the sort of opportunity match for a guy ascending into the top 100 to prove that he's ready to make that jump. And I think Matrizak is ready to make that jump. Now you look for Andreas Seppi. 
30 and 26 in his last 52 weeks. He's had some challenger success as well. He's 3 and 10 in his last 13 ATP hardcourt matches, and you look for him, those three wins. You know, the win over Hercots at last year's U.S. Open, the wins over Fucevic, certainly that was a great tournament for him. Other than that, his only hardcourt win was in D.C. when he beat Uchiyama in three sets, and, you know, some of the losses to Caruso, to Cuevas, to Bolt, to Skatov, Marchenko, Ota, you even look for him at the challenger level on the clay courts. Again, definitely better than he was at the ATP level, 13-4 and four overall, but I'm just, it's a bet on Matrasek more than anything else. His form, I thought his level right now is simply put better than Andreas Seppin. At minus 120, I feel like we're getting some value there. You look at the tennis abstract projection for the mass ma- uh, match, Matrasek is the favorite heading into this one, 58.4% to Andreas Seppi's 416 Minus 120 feels like we're selling that a bit short. And so I'm going to ride Matrizak. Again, coming off of the COVID, a bit concerned. Although you saw yesterday, Alcaraz came down with COVID. He looked just fine to start his tournament. Sebastian Corda, same deal. He looked just fine. These guys are pros. They're going to find ways to stay fit even in this scenario. I'm going to take Matrizak. Minus 120 over Seppi. Only of a quarter of a unit on it, 0.25. Because again, coming off of the COVID and Seppi. After what he did at the U.S. Open, you got to kiss the ring a little bit, pay some respect. 0.25 units to win 0.2. Again, the Matrizek backhand, in my opinion, the biggest uh, weapon on the court. I think he will be fit once again. And if he is fit, he's just in better shape right now than Andreas Seppi. So give me Matrizek, quarter of a unit to win 0.2. That's ace of the day, number one. Ace of the day number two brings us to our spreads and the over-unders we're looking at on the day. And, you know, you look overall at yesterday's matches, five on the men's side end up going the the distance, but I believe more than half went at least four sets on the day. So plenty of over-action on the men's side. On the women's side, only six of the 32 matches on the day ended up going three sets. That felt low. And, you know, again, maybe we see a bounce back in that number here today. I think you look at the women's matches, it's even more difficult than the men's matches to try and project here today. You look, again, some of the overs. You know, Elisa Mertens has been so consistent in the early rounds of Grand Slams, but it's a tricky first round for her against Vera Zvonareva. And quite frankly, Mertens has not played her best ball here to start in 2022. Zvonareva, always dangerous, the big hitting Russians. So, you know, again, two and a half sets in that match, over, plus 155, pretty interesting. Petra Kvitova versus Serana Kirstea. Kirstea made a bunch of third rounds at slams last year. And Petra Kvitova, again, did not play well in the warm-up events leading up to this Australian Open. Now, she's had some time to find her form, certainly train on the grounds there. She's had success in Australia before. But plus 140, that's interesting to me. Rogers versus Konya. Power tennis. Two players playing very, very well. Plus 125. That feels pretty good. Stevens Radakanu, plus 130. Interesting. Sabalenka, she always goes three sets. Why not say plus 175 against Storm Sanders? Who's to say she doesn't double fault, you know, 12 times or 16 times in a single set and just hand one away to Storm Sanders? Now, her best version, she should win that match comfortably, but that's an interesting one at plus 175. Kerber Knappi, plus 140. Baptiste Garcia, we talked about why Haley Baptiste could pull the upset over struggling Garcia, plus 145 for it to go three. Bunch of uh, different matches are interesting. Certainly on the women's side, of course, you look on the men's side, given how many went over three sets yesterday. You know, you're not going to get great odds. A lot of them minus 150 to like minus 210, but 
Cole Schreiber, Chechenato, minus 185. If you want to, that feels pretty lockish that that's going to go over three and a half sets. Vandesen Sculpt versus Struff, minus 200 over three and a half sets. Again, that feels pretty lockish. And, you know, Johnson Thompson, minus 205. And, you know, uh, Baslashvili Murray even, minus 200. Pretty interesting. Baez Ramos Vinoles, minus 175. Brody Kyrios. Do you think Kyrgios wins in straight sets? I don't know. Minus 185. Now, there are some other interesting ones with slightly better odds. Rublev coming off of the COVID, plus 165 for him to drop a set against Gianluca Madger. That's interesting. Tsitsipas coming off of the elbow injury. He's got a track meet on his hands. Mikhail Immer's going to make him earn everything. Minus 110 that that match goes four sets. That is very, very appealing. Maybe the most appealing of the over-unders on the list. But again... Until I know everyone's form, how healthy, how fit everyone is, we're going to stay away from those over-unders. We are going to look at a couple of spreads, though, once again today. And I know I went 1-3 in three yesterday. Some of you are saying, Alex, you know, insanity is doing the same thing twice in a row and expecting a different result. But guess what? you got to be a little insane to get into this game. And so with that in mind, let's get into our spreads on the day A lot of talk here on our Crack Rackets podcast about why Elena Rabakina was a top contender entering this 2022 Australian Open. And you look, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract, she's got a 1.7% chance of winning the tournament. That's a top 12 sort of number. You look for her, according to our friends at DraftKings Futures Odds right now. Uh, Elena Rabakina, currently ninth, I believe, tied for eighth in terms of odds to win the event, 16 to 1. Yeah, that's tied for eighth with Annette Conteve. So the numbers say it, the odds say it as well. She's a contender, and if she's a contender, she should give Zarina Diaz, her first-round opponent, the business today. And you look for Elena Rabakina over the last 52 weeks, 35 and 23 overall. You look at how she's fared, though, against opponents ranked outside the top 50, 21 and 6 over the past 52 weeks. And again, those losses have come to a Samsonova, who's now comfortably inside the top 50, a Krechikova, who's now comfortably inside the top 10, a Sara Saribas Tormo seated at this event. So even again, context being key, 21 and 6 against opponents ranked outside the top 50, but really 21 and 3 when you look at the opponents who have since uh, risen into the top 50 that she's played. I mean, her power tennis just separates her from those who aren't capable of hitting that level. And she was fourth last season in hold percentage, 47th in break percentage, I know. And, you would, you know, if you've got a big serve, you force her to, you know, try and be overly aggressive on that return as she always is with that big first serve. She'll, the errors will pile up, certainly. But that's not Zarina Diaz's game, with all due respect. And you look for Zarina Diaz throughout her career, 5-42 and 42 all time against top 20 opponents. I believe 25 and 72 overall in her career against top 50 opponents. That's tough. Obviously, that's indicative of, yeah, and you know, Forzarina Diaz, currently ranked number 104, reached a career high of 31 in 2015, a fellow member of October's very own. Shout out to anyone born in October. But she doesn't have the weapons to hang with Rabakina. If you give Rabakina time, even amidst a neutral rally, she can make you pay with a forehand cross-court winner. If you give her time in each and every rally, and with your first, with your second serve, she's absolutely going to make you pay. And so again, from a power perspective, I just think Rabakina has a distinct advantage. I think from a matchup perspective, Diaz doesn't have the weapons to, you know, stretch Rabakina and, you know, force her into the outer thirds where she's actually a pretty good mover for someone her size, not an elite mover. Well, 
I don't know. I think that's, again, this is a bet on Rabakina proving to the field that she is a contender because certainly there are days when the floor for Rabakina is not great from a performance standpoint where the errors do start to pile up. But, you know, Rabakina earned an 0-1-1 victory, I believe, uh, in the buildup to this in, uh, I want to say, who'd she beat 0-1-1? She, she popped someone um, in the buildup, I want to say, in Sydney. Yeah, Radakanu, that's who it was. She beat Radakanu 0-1-1 before withdrawing against Garcia in Sydney. I think that was more preventative as she had made the final in Adelaide the week before. She's rocked and rolled to start here in 2022. No reason to think she won't do the same against Diaz again. Minus five and a half games in two out of three set match is a lofty number as we learned yesterday. I think she gets the job done three or three or better, four and two, something along those lines. Give me Rabakina, minus five and a half over Zarina Diaz, minus 145, not the juiciest odds, but again, we're looking for winners here early on to get our week, get our momentum going here at the year's first Grand Slam. So minus 145, half a unit on that one to win 0.34. That's ace of the day number two. Of course, I've got a couple of other spreads for all of you. I'm going to start with the most lopsided because it's a pretty similar philosophy to the bet we're making on Elena Rabakina. And that's the bet I want to make on Yannick Sinner. Minus eight and a half games over Jao Sosa. That's a lot of games, in a th- even in a three out of five set match. That's a 3-3-3 three, three, and three victory, right? Which would be an unequivocal blowout. I think that's what Yannick Sinner's got in fold, uh, in store for those players now not capable of hanging at his level, those players not also ascending or at the top of men's tennis. And you look for Yannick Sinner, he's 28-7 and seven in his last 52 weeks against opponents ranked outside the top 50. One of those losses, Andy Murray in Stockholm. I th- certainly think we would consider Murray a top 50 sort of player. You look for him on hard courts during this stretch of time, 23-4. and four against players ranked outside the top 50. The last time he lost to a non-top 50 player was James Duckworth in Canada. Before that, it was Chris O'Connell in Atlanta. But again, has has really had a bunch of success uh, you know, over the course of the last six months. And if you watched him at the ATP Cup against players who were not top uh, 50, you know, rolls Max Purcell in his first match and then beats Sefillian and Rindernesh by similar straight set scores in matches two and three. And again, this is an eye test sort of pick. But I just think you looked at day one, you know, Corda cruises over Cam Norrie. Alcaraz looks ridiculous, not only just ripped beyond belief, but looks really, really good on court as well, coming off of a COVID diagnosis in his straight set victory. I think the next next gen is here to play. I think they're all ready to take another step forward here in 2022. They got a taste of success in 21, Sinner getting that taste of success as an alternate at the year-end finals. I think he cruises over Jao Sosa, and with all due respect to Sosa— 103 and 127 in his career in hardcourt ATP matches. You know, again, who's the last or what's his record in his career against top 20 opponents on hard courts? I'll let all of you listeners guess right now as I'm looking it up. It's 12 and 34. That's his record against top 20 opponents on hard courts. Last time he got a win against one FAA in three sets at the end of 2019. 2022 Sinner is a different monster than end of 2019 Felix Oshir alias seems. So again, this is a bet on Sinner to start his eight, uh, Australian Open just absolutely cruising. Eight and a half's a lot of games. Minus 135, we're going to throw half a unit on it to win .37 overall. That's ace of the day number two. The final ace of the day is one I'm a little shaky on, but look, 
Ugo Umber played well at the ATP Cup, despite going one and two. Three-set win over Medvedev, obviously the headline. He loses a three-set match to Alex Diemenauer match. He had a ton of opportunities in the second set to close out in straights, and then four and six against Matteo Berrettini. The big point, though, from the ATP Cup was how well he was serving and just seemed to find his rhythm again from a both a serving perspective, the plus one perspective, but from a fitness perspective as well. And look, I'm well aware. Umber struggled down the home stretch of 2021. And, you know, if you include the losses, Berrettini, Demon Hour, he's lost, I believe, something like seven of his last eight matches entering this Australian Open. Or, you know, seven of his last nine matches, if you want to count the Sinego victory in Canada uh, to start that event. But I think he's playing better ball here. Uh, at t- at the start of 2022, he just looked confident. He was swinging freely. He was serving well, which is so essential to his game, which obviously there were many points of last season where he was unable to do that. And, you know, it feels like six lifetimes ago. Do you remember the Umber Curio second round match last year at the Australian Open? Went five sets, was an absolute thriller, fantastic tennis, broke Kyrgios's body moving forward, that, the team match, all of these things. Um, still, I think this surface is a good one for Ugo Umber. I think he typically plays his best tennis at the start of the season when he's fresh. We saw that 2020, you know, the Delray Beach run. And, you know, I think he started playing pretty well at the start of last year as well before things kind of fell apart for him. I think he's playing well to start this season. And with all due respect to his opponent tomorrow, Richard Gasquet, who's clearly the far more accomplished player historically, Gasquet 26-20 and 20 over his last 52, 14-16. and 16. Over his last 52 at the ATP level, you want to look specifically on the hard courts for Gasquet. He's 4-8 and eight over that stretch of time. Did have a nice win over Dan Evans outside of that. 6-6 six and six over Jerusima. 4-2 and two over Chechenato. 4-4 four and four over Blas Rola. You know, again, those ones are fine. That's not the prime Richard Gasquet. And I just think Umber, lefty into the one-handed backhand of Richard Gasquet, as nice as that is from a matchup perspective, that's always difficult. He's going to have the opportunities with the Gasquet chip backhand return to tee off on the plus one forehands, which is what Umber wants to do more than anything else. And again, it's a different version of Richard Gasquet. Gasquet now 35 years old, not the physical, you know, doesn't have the physical prowess, we'll say, that he once did. I just think Umber's weapons are too big. And at minus five and a half games, he's just got to win in straight sets. And no tiebreakers. Five, five, and five. Four, four, and four. You know, one lopsided set, you can afford a tiebreaker. It gets the job done. He just has to win comfortably and in straights. And more likely than not, he covers this. Six, six, and six, by the way, would not be comfortably. That's why he's got to win comfortably. But I think he will. And so minus five and a half games over Gasquet, by the way, also coming off of a COVID spell. Minus 105, those odds are too good to pass up. So let's take Umber, minus five and a half games over Gasquet, minus 105, half a unit to win 0.47. Those are your spread over under picks on the day. Of course, it wouldn't be an ace of the day segment without a parlay or two mixed in. I've got two for you in honor of day number two, the double deuce play. Start with an underdog parlay. Are we sure... John Isner should be plus 105 over Maxime Cressy. I know Cressy made a final week one, or yeah, week one, because it was against Rafa of the ATP season. I know he beat Pablo Carreno Busta at last year's U.S. Open. John Isner is a different beast. Like, again, it's it's the discipline with which Cressy will have to play all match long. And certainly over these first two weeks of the season, that's what he's shown. And that's what's allowed him to make this jump now comfortably inside the top 100. And he's playing with house money at this point in terms of the points he's added on his resume at this level. But, you know, again, Isner 
only plays the big events now. And there's a reason he's in Australia. It's to rack up a second, third, fourth round appearance, get that big check, lock in those points to keep him in that top 40, top 50 to where he can craft his schedule accordingly. And I think Isner is going to be hungry for this matchup. We've seen him struggle with Opelka in the past, but, you know, in terms of big surfers, but I think he likes taking on the young Americans. I think he likes being the guy of this American generation, the one they were all watching growing up, because he was. He's been the face of American men's tennis for the past 10 years. I know this is all anecdotal stuff. You know, from a serving perspective, Cressy hits all of his spots. I would argue Cressy's a better serving volleyer. I don't even think it's an argument. I think Cressy's just better at serving and volleying than Isner is. Isner's clearly the more dynamic of the two from the baseline. Cressy moves really well for a guy his size, so probably moves better than Isner proportionally, uh, but I still think Isner's got the bigger ground strokes. The question is, again, how many returns of serves can Isner get at the feet of Cressy? Ditto for Cressy on Isner. I mean, tiebreakers are going to be the name of the game, but I just don't think Cressy should be the favorite, and I think at Isner plus 105, let's grab the value there, and let's throw with a fellow American, an all-American underdog parlay. Again, I test only, and I want to fully admit this is an eye test pick. Stevie Johnson looked excellent through the first two weeks of the season in 2021. And knowing Stevie and having talked to him, people in his camp over the time, he's here for the ATP events. He's here to be a top 100 player. When he's got to go play challengers, when he's got to you know pay money to make a living playing tennis, he said openly that is when he'll stop playing the game. These Australian Open, these you know ATP run of events are his opportunity to solidify that spot in the top 100, put himself in an opportunity where he's playing, you know, 250s and 500s wherever and at the Masters event guaranteed at a minimum to get into qualifying, if not into the main draw, if things start to pick up a little bit. You look for him, a three-set win over Alex Vukic. Vukic beats Lloyd Harris yesterday, so I think that win's appreciated in value. And Stevie, you know, again, both guys were playing really well in that match. Stevie was absolutely snapping the forehand. That two guys who snapped the forehand really well. A lot of similarities between those two. Vukic probably a little better hitting through the backhand. Johnson a little more fluid as a mover. But then he loses in three sets to Karen Hatchinov, who also advanced to round two of this Australian Open. Of course, the next week, Adelaide 2 comes through qualifying, beats Ota, Montiero, and Alex Bolt in the first round before getting knocked out in straights by the aforementioned Alex Vukic. All of my point here is Stevie's played a bunch of matches in the first two weeks, and he looked match tough. He was playing well uh, throughout his time in Adelaide. I don't know if you can say the same about Jordan Thompson to start the season. You look for Thompson. He played in Sydney to start the year. You know, he beats Marcos Giron. I thought that was a pretty nice match. Had no rhythm, though, in his next match against Riley Opelka, which he loses in straights. You know, beat Chris O'Connell in three sets in Melbourne at the start of the year before getting knocked out in three by Emil Rusevori. I mean, again, this match is going to be a grind. I give the advantage to Stevie. I just think he's got the better forehand. I think he's moving extraordinarily well. And again, two guys who do a lot of things similarly want to be playing front foot, first forehand sort of tennis. I just think Stevie's better at it. I think he's a better volleyer. I think he'll he's more... Uh, they both move pretty well. Point being, I just think we're grabbing the value with Stevie at plus 105. And yeah, the smart play would just be to bet them separately. And if one of them hits, we make money on both bets. But come on, smart plays. We already had the smart plays. Parlay time's the time for fun. All-American underdog parlay sounds great on paper. Let's do it. Johnson plus 105 money line over Thompson. Isner plus 105 money line over Cressy. Plus 320 odds when you parlay those two together. You like that. We're only going to put a quarter of a unit on it, though, because again... 
there's definitely a world where Cressy outplays Isner. I actually am pretty sure Stevie's going to beat Jordan Thompson, but there's definitely a world where Cressy beats Isner. And so we're just going to put a quarter of a unit on it to still win 0.8 in return. That's the one. That's the one I'm worried about for sure the most on this board right now. That's why they only get a quarter unit. But still, have some fun. All-American, underdog parlay, Johnson Isner, plus 320, quarter of a unit to win point eight. The other one, four favorites I feel pretty good about on the day. Now, I love my Wolverines as much as everyone. Go blue, anyone. Go blue. Michigan till I die. Samsonova's going to give Amina Bechtis the business, in my opinion, today. She just she plays with a pace that Bechtis won't be accustomed to. And Amina played great to get through qualifying and get into the main draw. Think Samsonova gets the job done. She's playing really well. Loses in three sets to Keys last week. Had nothing to do with her level. She played great. Keys was just that much better. Samsonova minus 575. Kasparud should beat Alex Mulcan. And some of the numbers, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook, make me a little fishy that they think something might be up here. Maybe he drops a set or something like that. Excuse me. But... I still think Casper gets through. He's minus 575 as well. So, again, that, you're not going to get a great parlay there. Schwartzman minus 330 over Krajinovic is just wrong. He should be higher than that. And you look, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract, Diego Schwartzman, a 75.7% favorite to Krajinovic's 243 Minus 330 feels like we're getting value there. That the, media, the moment I saw that, I said, all right, I'm throwing that in a parlay. And guess what? That's probably what they're baiting us to do. Vegas always knows something we don't. But I thought Schwartzman looked great at the ATP Cup. Beats ZT Paz. I know he ends up losing a match uh, to Hubi Hurkacz in straight sets, but he beats Basilishvili as well. I, I just I'm, I'm back in Schwartzman here to knock out Kranovic, Not a guy who has traditionally had a bunch of success on the hard courts either. You throw him into the mix. Now the odds get that much more interesting. We're gonna add Victoria Golubic as well, who loses in three sets last week to Halep and has a tricky matchup, no doubt about that, when you look for Victoria Golubic today as she is taking on uh, Shui Zhang. But Golubic, 59.6% favorite according to our friends at Tennis Abstract, minus 240 money line favorite as well. I struck the ball so well over the past 12 months, was one of the breakthrough players of 2021, despite, you know, not being on the same age curve as the Radicanu, Tossin, and Lee, other breakout players of the year. I think those four are locks. Samsonova, Rude, Schwartzman, Gulabic, as such. We're going to throw them in a four-person lock money line parlay. You get plus 154 odds on it. Good, not great. We're going to, again, we, we hit this yesterday. Uh, we're trying to keep a similar recipe here today early on, just back in some favorites, small plays across the board. Let's throw them in the mix. Samsonova, Rude, Schwartzman, Golubic, plus 154, half a unit to win 0.77. Those are your picks for our GSP Aces of the Day. To recap for all of you listeners, Matrizak. Minus 120 over Andreas Sepit. We're going to put a quarter of a unit on that to win 0.2. We're going to take Rabakina minus five and a half games over Diaz, minus 145, half a unit to win 0.34. That's a bet on her looking like the favorite we all think she could be at this event. Of course, I'm also going to back Yannick Sinner, minus eight and a half games. That's a big number against Jao Sosa, but I think Sinner's getting to the semifinals. And his fellow youngsters looked good yesterday. He's going to be motivated out there on court today. Minus 135 at the minus eight and a half games. Half a unit to win 0.37. We're going France en France. Umbert minus five and a half games over Richard Gasquet. Minus 105. Half a unit to win 0.47. As we say, uh, merci beaucoup in terms of that bet. I think that's a winner. 
I'm sorry for the French accent. Shows you again. Day one in the books. Didn't get much sleep, folks. With that in mind, other parlays option. Uh, we're going with the All-American underdog option. Johnson, Isner, both plus 105 money line underdogs. Parlay them together. Plus 320 quarter unit to win point eight. Then the four-man favorite parlay. Samsonova, Rude, Schwartzman, Golovic, plus 154. Should have said four-player parlay. Plus 154 on those four money lines. Half a unit to win .77. Those are your aces of the day for day two at the 2022 Australian Open. Again, four and three up .91 units through day one. We'll be back here each and every day throughout the action to offer our picks. Try to put a little money in all of our pockets. But again, have some fun. Make some predictions. Put our pride on the line. Of course, if you're looking for recaps of day one's action, rest assured, all that going to be available each and every day on the mini break podcast feed match of the day segments for our patreon family as well a shout out as always to super producer daniel westa for the f- of an any job he does day in day out making all of this content possible as we try to provide all of you tennis fans with the coverage we know you all deserve throughout the year's first grand slam event with all of that said those are your day two picks for our aces of the day we hope you all enjoy the tennis and as always may the odds be ever in your favor Good luck, everyone.